it's a delight for me to um, welcome Eddie and Jackie Santoro from Ahavat uh, Yisrael, uh, Ahavat Yeshua, um, in Jerusalem. They're part of a larger ministry called Revive Israel, and uh, I met Eddie. Oh, geez, about uh, 15, 17 years ago. It's been before. Before you went to Israel and before you and I had some gray hair. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm dying to hear about what God is doing in Israel and in their ministry. And uh, without a whole lot more verbiage, Eddie, would you come and let me pray for you, pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, and as Samuel spoke, saying, Lord, uh, speak, your servant hears. Lord, that is our desire. And we pray, Lord God, for listening ears, for receptive hearts, Lord God, for the ability to hear everything that you have for us to, to hear and to receive it greatly. Lord God, and to apply it in our life. Pray, Lord, for the anointing of your Ruach for Eddie, Lord, that he will speak your word to us in the name of Yeshua, and that your word will increase and multiply in us and through us. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I turned on here? Yeah, excellent. Okay, Jackie's going to be joining me in a moment. Uh, hallelujah. Well, it's so good to be here with all of you. Shalom, or Shabbat Shalom, and Yerushalayim. It's a real blessing to be here. And uh, I was encouraged uh, in the parasha Hayom, when we were reading, notice when you speak Hebrew, right, probably you know that. If you say one, one word in Hebrew, like parasha, then immediately your brain, I was encouraged in the parasha Hayom today. Because uh, I thought about the incredible thing about what about the end of the matter, which is that Israel, Israel, he walked with a limp after uh, Peniel, after he beheld the face of God. And I, I like that because I'm, uh, I'm 63 years old. I made Aliyah, we made Aliyah to Israel 15 years ago. I've been a believer for 36 years. It's a reasonable amount of time. And uh, I also remember Chaim when we met. And uh, yeah, right, we didn't have any gray hair, my brother, right? <laughs> But they've been good years, hallelujah. They've been very good years. They've been blessed years. They've been fruitful years. I see for Chaim they've been fruitful. I see for I know for us they've been fruitful. And uh, I'm encouraged because I've learned that it's okay to walk with a limp in the Lord. Uh, it doesn't depend on my ability, my agility, my strength, my wisdom. It depends on God, hallelujah, that we might be weak in the natural, that he might be strong. So it's really my prayer today that as we... Uh, come before you as we share a report on uh, what's going on in Israel and also as, we, as I share the word with you that it would be in man's weakness and God's strength and God's anointing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we come here with a good report from Yisrael. Hallelujah. Uh, 15 years ago, over 15 years ago, Jackie and I did the most amazing thing we've ever done. We... Uh, made Aliyah. As I said, I've been a believer for 36 years. Jackie's been a believer for 34 years. One of the wisest things I ever did, uh, I met Jackie on the first day. She wasn't a believer. I brought her to faith on the second day. Then she was a believer. And on the third day, I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. Right, Jackie? <laughs> and, then, and then I sent her back to Colorado to, because she lived here. Yeah, give a little history. Can you hear me? You have to speak into that, honey. Um, I, I lived in Colorado. Actually, I, had, I lived in Israel. Uh, I come from New York, and I went to university in Buffalo. And after university, I went to Israel. I was in Israel from 1968 to 70. When did you leave? 64. 64. So I got there in 68 through 70. I came back in 70, and I moved to Colorado. And I lived in Colorado here till 1975. Uh, went to graduate school in St. Louis and came back in 77 to 79. And um, in 1979, I went home to visit my mother. 
uh, and that's when I met Eddie and he asked me to marry me and I said yes and I had to move back to Colorado uh, to clear out my things and resign so from your resign job, from my job so I could move back to New York and um, uh, I, I knew nothing. I, I was a brand new believer. Uh, I accepted the Lord, but I didn't know anything. God, God uh, put a seed of faith in my heart. I knew that Yeshua was the Messiah, and that's probably all I knew. <laughs> and uh, we had no idea that being Jewish was significant. Uh, and, uh, and so here I, I come back to Colorado, and somebody says to me, I don't even remember where, but somebody says to me, you have to call up Eliezer uh, Orbeck. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know why I had to call him up. I didn't know why it was important, but somebody said, you have to call him up. So I said, okay. Uh, so I call him up, uh, and uh, I said who I was, and I said, I'm Jewish, and I'm marrying another Jewish man. And we had no idea. We, I didn't use the term messianic. I didn't know what that meant. But I said, you know, my, my you know, boyfriend, he's uh, my fiancé, he's Jewish, and, I'm, and he got so excited. He was so excited for me. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it because I didn't know why he would be so excited because I didn't understand anything. But he was very excited and he really wanted to meet me. And unfortunately, I was, there was no time because I was heading back to New York. So who would have imagined that over 30 years later I'd be standing here and, and in your congregation after that? And I've never forgotten it. It was very significant, even though it was just like a moment in time. So I just wanted to give you that history. Hallelujah. So uh, after that glorious and quick marriage, we spent 10 years uh, as uh, born-again Christians in a messianic, messi not a messianic, uh, just a body of Messiah in Woodstock, New York. In, uh, we, went, I went to, we went to Israel on a trip in 1989. The Holy Spirit fell on me, and suddenly Jack and I were both raised Jewish, and suddenly in, in just two weeks the Lord revealed to us being how significant it was to be Jewish and Messiah, that Israel was our home, we were going to live there, and that the central calling of our walk in God was towards to the Jewish people to bring them to faith. That was a lot in a couple of weeks. It really turned us upside down. <laughs> Came back home, sent, we were sent out, we birthed a Messianic Jewish congregation in Woodstock, New York, Kingston, New York, which we led for, I guess, about eight or nine years, right? And finally, in 1997, after years of waiting and anticipating and longing, hallelujah, the Lord said, okay, Eddie, Jackie, it's time to go. You can move to Israel. So we packed our suitcases. We left. Our, we were 50 years old when we moved to Israel. Can you imagine? I mean, it was so radical. It was so radical. But we left everything behind, hallelujah. We went through a real dying experience. We came to Israel, and we started in Tel Aviv. Tell me about our first nine years in Tel Aviv, Jackie. Uh, we uh, joined uh, a very young, new congregation that was founded by Ari and Shira Sokoram uh, in Tel Aviv, and there were about 30 people there meeting in the basement of their house. And, um, uh, and, we, and we were there for nine years, and as the years went by, we really began to see a lot, a lot of Israelis getting saved. It was really an incredible time. Asher Intrader joined us after uh, the following year, and he and Eddie and Ari were the three elders in the congregation, and every single week we were seeing Israelis getting saved. And we, had, and we used to come back to the United States, and we used to give reports, and we used to tell of all these incredible Book of Acts kind of stories. And uh, it lasted for about four years, five years, and, and we just knew, uh, we didn't quite understand it, but it was, uh, we just felt so blessed, and it just felt so easy. It's like we, didn't, we felt like we weren't even doing anything, and people, young people were just coming in. At one point, Eddie and I led a group of young adults. There were, there were 40 uh, young adults in our congregation, uh, or, um, half of them all really brand new in the Lord. It was very, very exciting. And um, the years went by, and at one point, Asher, who came from uh, Jerusalem and said he was going to go back to Jerusalem, uh, did indeed go back to Jerusalem, and he started in the, his ministry, Revive Israel. And uh, Just to interject there, that um, the, it was an incredibly fruitful time. That little congregation of 20 people grew to a congregation of 200 believers in the heart of Tel Aviv, all operating. We operate in Hebrew 100% in Israel. We were functioning in Hebrew. Uh, 
Israelis, Hebrew speakers, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, I mean, Israelis would walk in in the midst of Hebrew worship, you know, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they would just, I mean, we could tell you stories like they would walk in, and, and the anointing was so heavy, they would like literally be blown. There were doors like that. They would like sort of fall backwards through the doors and say, what was that? <laughs> was that what's the right one? And they walk in and they see all these Israelis about... They'd never seen anything like it. You know, I mean, they knew about Bet Knesset. They knew about Dati, they religious, but they'd never seen this worshiping God in the spirit, hearing the word ministered in the spirit. Many times they would come. Even how they got there, was a, it would be like a miracle. They would have a dream. They would meet someone at a bus stop. They'd come in. They'd sit in one meeting, and by the end of the meeting, they'd come up, and it was like the book of Acts, like, what must we do to, to be saved? Well, <laughs> we'd lay hands on them and they'd get saved. It's the kind it of evangelism very, we like. Exciting. Hallelujah. But like I said, it, it was uh, time limited. Uh, but God did use it to um, train us up and to show us and to teach us who Israelis are. Because, um, you know, we came to Israel and we looked at Israelis and they kind of looked like we looked. And we thought that they're just like us. And they're not. They're, <laughs> they're really wired not. very differently. And so what works here in a congregation and you're all blessed by things that happen here, they turn around and they go, what was that? So you really have to learn who they are and really understand the culture. And we had to, you know, just be a part of the culture and to be trained up. And we felt like God was using it to train us because uh, in in 2000, uh, like I said, Asher moved back to Jerusalem, started a ministry. Revive Israel. Revive Israel. We felt to help him in that ministry. And so we moved there. uh, We went there several days a week to help him raise that up. And then in 2006, um, uh, Eddie, he and Eddie and another team from Revive decided to start uh, the Ahavat Yeshua, our congregation in Jerusalem. So we were sent out from Tel Aviv to start this congregation in Jerusalem. Uh, because as we feel in Israel, um, Tel Aviv is great, but, but you have to conquer Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is like the last stronghold. I mean, we, it's just an end-time event. We have to establish a dynamic local body in Jerusalem. Uh, got to. Got to. We have no choice. There has to be a people there who are going to So we went there, and as easy as we felt Tel Aviv was, that's how hard Actually, we you have to tell them that we did try and start a, a, a cult uh, expression in Tel Aviv that Yeshua would return to Tel Aviv. Actually, when we were in Tel Aviv, we said, really, this is much... We didn't really try so hard. <laughs> we used to joke with each other, like, this is really so much nicer than Jerusalem. Like, maybe, Lord, you just want to touch down on, uh, you know, in the heart of Tel Aviv. Uh, but he said no. No, so we had to go to Jerusalem. And uh, as many of you may know, I don't know how many of you have been there or understand Jerusalem, but it's a tough city. I mean, it's an incredible city, and its significance is beyond... Uh, beyond, beyond, but in the natural day-to-day, it's tough. Every uh, oppositional force that can be there is there to hinder us and set up opposition and and try and stop us. Um, We're establishing the congregation. It is going well. Uh, We're greatly, greatly encouraged, but it's hard work. And uh, it's plowing up hard Let me just give some numerical input there, that we started the congregation six and a half years ago, we had a team of about 15 people. Today we have 130, 140 people gathering at our main meeting in Shabbat. So, amen, we're breaking through. We've had uh, some of the good reports we've had. Uh, in uh, This past October, we had five women give birth in a two-week period. So that's fruitfulness. And the year before, we had another five. Some of them were the same women. A year before, <laughs> who gave birth. And how many are pregnant now? And now we have another five pregnant. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> but it's a blessing of fruitfulness. And we're really right. <laughs> and so we feel that, you know, God is really doing something. And, and we're not seeing as many salvations as we would like. It's not like Tel Aviv. We're, like I said, we're really plowing up hard ground in Jerusalem. But God is blessing us with, uh, you know, all these babies. And we just do feel like for the first time in six years, I think we're beginning to feel like the breakthrough is... You know, we're really pushing through and that we are going to see a breakthrough in that. And, and we're going to be, we are starting to see many more visitors come to our meetings. And we believe that uh, we're going to begin to see salvations. There's a lot of congregations around Israel. A lot of people are very into the media. And now there's a lot of media going forth, Hebrew, 
on the internet, Hebrew uh, media, everybody's trying to establish something so that Israelis can tap into it. It's like in every direction, things are happening. Um, and so we're really, really encouraged. As difficult as it is, you know, on the outside with all that's going on, the wars and the political and the terrorists and, and the opposition that we get from the religious and the intensity and the pressure that is just like incredible. Um, you know, I just want to interject. Just let me just finish oh, that. Please, in, sure. <laughs> my sentence. That in spite of all that, uh, we really feel encouraged. You know, the, the believers in Israel are, for the most part, we are, you know, really greatly encouraged. Everybody has a lot of faith and energy, and we have the vision before us that we are establishing, uh, you know, the body, the end-time body of, Israel, uh, of believers in Israel. And, um, and I just want to say that uh, you're very important to all that's going on in Israel because uh, whether you ever get there or you don't get there, your prayers are so significant. And I just really, as someone who's over there on the other side, I just really want to impress that on you, is that, because you may not realize, and you may think, oh, you know, what do I do? I don't do anything. All I do is pray, a little prayer here or there, but God uses it. And I want to say that we feel, all of us over there feel that without the support of the worldwide body, without the support of Messianic believers here in America, that we can't really do anything. You know, we're over there and we do things, but every, but without all the prayer that's going up for us, uh, I feel like we would be, um, you know, we wouldn't be as successful, we wouldn't be as fruitful. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that you really are important. Your love is a weapon that God uses to change hearts in the spirit, you know, and especially when the whole world hates Israel, there's only one group of people that loves Israel, and that's you and all the believers around the world. And that is so significant because it's so powerful. Because, you know, a tiny bit of love is greater than a mountain of hate. And uh, a little bit of light shatters the darkness. So I just want to encourage you. You're, you are doing a great work. I want to tell you that. You're doing Hallelujah. a great work. People write us, and they tell us, we're praying for you every day. And, and it's like, it's incredible. I said... I'm humbled. It's like you're praying for us every single day. You can't imagine that's it's a it, it supports us even when we're not aware of it. So um, I know you think that we're over there and we're doing such you know it's so incredible, but you're just as incredible. And I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> so, amen. amen. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you know we also one of the things we do, and it's very very important to us, as Jackie's saying. You know, as you pray for us, as you support us. Um, you know, we are a faith ministry. We're supported by the uh, donations and gifts for over 15 years now. Brothers and sisters have sewn in and allowed us to serve in Israel. We also uh, send out email prayer updates uh, and also written uh, postal letters about different things. And uh, we send them out so you would know what's going on in Israel. I mean, we're on the ground there. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We have eyes that see in the Spirit. And we report to you, you know, what's going on, what, where prayer is needed, where the breakthroughs are. We give you things that you're never, ever going to hear on CNN. You won't even hear them on Fox. <laughs> So, so I want to just take this opportunity to distribute these. I understand you're going to take an offering. A couple of you, or a couple of you, Shamashim, or anybody want to just... Uh, okay. Um, raise your hand. Fill it out while I'm speaking. If you could just put it in the basket after we finish, uh, after I finish sharing. And um, please, when you write your emails, write them legibly. Give us your postal address and your email. Write the emails in capital letters so my beloved wife is able to read them, okay? You know, the things in Israel are just amazing. I mean, there's breakthrough happening in Israel. Uh, we've got a generation of young adults. Jackie didn't even mention Maybe you intuit the fact that we have a lot of young people. Uh, you know, five births in 12 days, five more women pregnant. But, you know, we're not just birthing in the natural. Like, we're raising up a generation of young leaders. I mean, this gray hair, hair is a testimony that I better be about. We better be about establishing a generation of young Israelis that have the wisdom, the knowledge, the anointing, the stature in God to bring this thing to culmination. 
You know, we're not involved in something that's going to go on forever. Like, this thing has a beginning and it has an end. Amen? God created the heavens and the earth. Adam and Eve fell in the garden, uh, in, the, in, the, in Gan Eden, and, and, and one day, hallelujah, soon, Yeshua is going to return. Amen? I mean, I read it this morning. It says in, in uh, Zechariah, the end, last chapter, it says, on, on that day, his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. That which was spoken 2,000 years ago, brothers and sisters, when the disciples, they were in Jerusalem. What a city, amen? They were in Jerusalem standing there in Yeshua. He had risen from the dead. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you know, where these Jewish disciples, they, they had been with Yeshua. He had been crucified. They were broken. Uh, he, he rises from the dead. He appears. He comes back to them. He's ministering to them. They say, hey, you know, this thing isn't so bad. Yeshua came back. He rose from the dead. Forty days, they're sitting with him. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of an incredible teaching, Yeshua goes up to heaven. And they're left there like, what's going on? What's happening here? Well, 2,000 years ago, those angels said that this Yeshua, whom you saw go up to heaven, he's going to return in the exact same way. Hallelujah. His feet are going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. And there are going to be Jewish people. That's what we're doing. You know, sometimes I think about the kingdom of God, and it's like God is preparing a stage. But it's the biggest stage in the universe. Hallelujah. He's got, you know, before you do the grandest show on earth, you've got to get everything all set up, right? Well, one of the things that have to be in place is the body of Messiah. Hallelujah. Jackie said, you know, we've got to have the, the Gentile expression of the body of Messiah loving Israel. We have to have Jews and Gentiles together in one body, the one new man. And we have got to have that which was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Once again, the body of Messiah there, Jewish people believing in Yeshua, rejoicing in his coming. No, it is not going to be the capital of a Palestinian state filled up with Muslims that hate him. He's not coming back to a hate party. He's coming back to a love party. Hallelujah. Well, I say all this to say, brothers and sisters, I want you to be excited. Because when those angels said this Yeshua is coming back, it was thousands of years in the future. It's not thousands of years in the future anymore. Hallelujah. We are living in the day. Of the return of Yeshua. Hallelujah. This is that. You know, that very phrase we read in the book of Acts. This is that. You know, we read the book of Acts and God poured out the Holy Spirit. I mean, there was like bill confusion. Nobody knew what was going on. The religious people thought they were drunk. The, 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 the disciples who had gathered there, they didn't have a clue what was going on. There were thousands of people gathered there. There was one man. In that whole crowd of people, there was one man. And you know something? He wasn't exactly an ace. I mean, he had just denied Yeshua a short time before. I mean, he had a history of being hot and gold. Yeshua... Yeshua, I'll lay down my life for you. I won't let anybody do that for you. And a couple of days later, he denies him. I mean, he wasn't exactly great. But there was one man. I want you to hear this. In the midst of all that was happening, he looked at it and he had eyes in the spirit. He had revelation in his heart. He had anointing in the Holy Spirit. And he said, this is that. He said this. He had eyes to see. He knew the day that he was living in. You know, I was reading yesterday the scriptures and I was thinking of all these scriptures. They just like suddenly flooded into my heart like a download. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. You are a people upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Whoa! Whoa! 
the fulfillment of the... God, you chose me to be here in this day. The fulfillment, who am I? Hallelujah. Who are you? Who are we that God has chosen? This is that. The fulfillment of the ages is upon us. That which was spoken, which was going to occur thousands of years in the future, is unfolding in our day. Wow. Man, you should feel good. Now listen. You didn't just arrive here by coincidence. It's not, as we say in Hebrew, that you are here on this day. God knew the day you were going to live. God chose. It says he knew the time. He knew the place. He knew the days. He knew the plans. He chose you. I remember when I was a kid, the Marines were looking for a few good men, right? Well, God, God chose you to be here today for this is that moment. The culmination of the ages. And here we are. I am undone. I am honored. I am privileged. I am humbled. In one sense, I am terrified. And I am encouraged. Hallelujah. We could have lived a lot of times. We could have, we could have given ourselves to a lot of things. But God has called us today to be a part of bringing this age to the culmination. To prepare the way for the return of the king. Hallelujah. How good it is. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Do you understand the time? Do you understand the time that you're living in? And do you know what you should do? Listen, we, I'm impressed. We live in an age of interference. Interference that is like beyond. I mean, nobody likes technology more than me. I have an iPad. I have a Mac Pro at home. I have an iPhone 4S. I love it all. But you know something? We live in an age of interference. We've got big screen TVs, biggest screen cinema. We are inundated with noise and input and, and Facebook and social networking and on and on and on and on. But there were men in the book of Chronicles that are spoken of that they knew the time that we were, they were living in and they knew what they should be doing. Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you today. In the midst of all the fun and the wonderful toys that we have to play with, we need a people, we need to be a people who discern what it is that we need to be giving ourselves to. Maybe it's just that I'm getting older. And I see I'm not alone when I say that in this room. Listen, I'm 63. There are a lot more days behind me than lie before me. I want to number my days aright. There is so much to do. Jackie said, prayer, pray unceasingly, intercede, cry out to God, give him no rest, be bold. Do the things that you think you can't do. Be sensitive to God. Listen for what it is. Every one of us are unique. I want to tell you, my sister, you can go places that I cannot enter. My brother, God has given you the key to kingdoms that I wouldn't even begin to know how to approach them. Each one of us in this room, you're young, you've got like a whole lifetime ahead of you. But I want to tell you that God has given you the door, the kingdom, the key to do things that only you can do. Each one of us are fearfully and beautifully made, uniquely made. Each one of us are like a key 
that fits into a lock. You can speak to people that I, can, I cannot speak to. You will touch people that I will never touch. Brothers and sisters, I cry out to us today, living in Jerusalem, seeing the intensity of the warfare, seeing the intensity of the battle, seeing the hatred of the enemy, seeing the passion, his passion to destroy the people of Israel. I say, let's be a people who have that same passion for bringing the kingdom of God forth with our life, corporately and uniquely. Men of Israel that knew the day that they were living in and what they should do. I cry out to you. It does not happen apart from you. The most mind-blowing revelation that I have ever received apart from Yeshua being the Messiah was that he entrusted the kingdom into the hands of men and women. I mean, that could make you crazy. Especially Yeshua, he understood the hearts of men. That could make you crazy. I mean, he created the heavens and the earth in six days. It's been thousands of years trying to bring this last act unto completion to get a people in place. It is the most amazing thing that God Think about what it says about you. Think about what it says about me. God entrusted the kingdom, the unfolding of the eternal grace of God into the hands of men and women. Let me give you a graphic example. When God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, to come into this world, do you know what he did? He took the Messiah, the Redeemer, God incarnate, the one who all of eternity was hanging on, and do you know what he did? He put him into the hands of a couple of 16-year-old Israeli kids. I mean, come on! 16, I don't know, were they 16? Is that a rough approximation? 16 years old? I mean, I live in Israel. I know what these kids are like. You live in Denver. You know what 16-year-old kids are like. Okay, Mary, she was exceptional. She was righteous. But she was still a woman. I mean, we're not Catholics here, right? I mean, she was flesh and blood. She was a natural woman. Yosef, he was a guy, a young kid. God takes Yeshua and he says, Here, take care of him for me. Well, 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 well suppose they didn't change his diapers and he got sick and, and he got an infection. Or suppose they didn't take care of him. Or suppose like they disregarded him and, and he got lost along. Hey, he did get lost along the way, didn't he? Remember the story? They were leaving Jerusalem. And suddenly, a couple of days later, they suddenly said, Oh, where's the king of the universe? Oh, we seem to have lost the Messiah. Has anybody seen the Messiah? Well, maybe... I mean, really. I mean, that's what God does. He puts the kingdom in our hands. And then He waits. He waits patiently. He waits patiently that there would be a man, a woman, a people on the earth that would know the day, that would know the grace, that would know the power, that would know the anointing, that would have the boldness and the courage to lay hold of what it is that God has called you to amazing 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 you know god sends a man first of all i want to tell you something the call in your life is beyond what you can do in the natural that's good but that's scary you know, I mean, that's good, but that's scary. Me? I can't do that. Well, you're right. You can't do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is explicitly clear. God chose the weak 
God chose the broken. God chose those that do not have, those that are not wise, those that are not esteemed in the ways of the world. He chose those that are not so that he might give us all that we need, that all the glory would go to him. The calling is beyond. Let's go back to our beloved sister, Miriam. God says, yo, Miriam. Well, actually, it wasn't God. It was the angel. uh... Yo, Miriam. Yeah, God. You're going to give birth to the Redeemer. How can that be? That's, that's the first. Okay, that's Miriam. How can that be? I'm a virgin. Like, I don't have what it takes to give birth to anything or anybody. I am a virgin. I mean, that reaction, I don't know about you, but in my life, there have been so many times when God said, Eddie, go do that. And I'm like, I'm like a, a, a Gidon. How do they call him in English? Gideon? Gideon. I'm like Gideon. Like, like God says, Gidon, I have called you, mighty man of God. Here's Gidon. I mean, he's hiding behind on the threshing floor. He's terrified uh, of the enemy. Uh, and he comes from the weakest family. He's got no self-esteem, no hope. And God, God shows up and says, hey, mighty man of God. I mean, Gidon, he kind of goes, who's he talking to? Hey, Miriam, I've called you to give birth. Me? How's that possible? Well, God gives the answer. He says, Miriam, don't worry. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And that which you give birth to, it will be born. It will be the child of God. It will be the son. Well, we're really getting into a mystery here. This is really like profound. God entrusted the kingdom into the hands of men and women. And yet, ultimately, it's not men and women who are going to bring forth the kingdom, but it's God being expressed through a people. Now that takes mammoth humility because, you know, we all want to do it in our own strength and we all want to, you know, charge ahead. But it takes incredible patience and humility. A woman doesn't give birth, you know. I mean, I, we work with young people. You know, praise God. God put it in young people. They want to get married. And many of our young people in Israel have to wait years before God sends the right man or woman. And then they get pregnant. And then they have to wait nine months for the child to come forth. And then they got to raise the child, which takes another... Well, I raised a son, and I can say it takes 35 years approximately... (laughs) Something like that. Or not to, not to deframe my son. I, it took me 40 years. So I'm being generous, actually. All I'm saying is it takes patience. It takes perseverance. It takes humility. It takes a willingness. It's a mystery. God has entrusted the kingdom into men, into women. And yet he says, that which is birthed will be birthed by me, must be birthed by me, because ultimately what we present to him is of him, from him, through him, and to him, that he would receive all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, this is a moment. This is a moment. God came to Moses. Can you imagine? There was never anybody more pulverized than Moses. I mean, the guy was 80 years old. I don't know about you, but at 80, I'm thinking of retirement. (laughs) He was the world's most colossal failure. You know, a man with an anointing who pursued it in his natural strength. 
and he fell flat on his face and he ended up, instead of pursuing the glory of, of setting, Israel, setting Israel free and leading out bondage, taking care of sheep and goats in the wilderness for 40 years. And finally, when the guy is pulverized, I mean, zero ephes, no sense of being able to do anything, God shows up then and says, Moses! What is it, God? His first mistake is he went over to see. God said, I got you. <laughs> Moses, I want you to go. You know, before, he says, Moses, I want you to go. Moses says, you got the wrong man, God. I can't do it. Not me. The call of God is always beyond It has to be beyond. Because if it wasn't beyond, then flesh and blood would bring forth the kingdom of God. But God wants to use that which is birth. It would be birth of the Holy Spirit. Moses says, I can't do it. And God says, it's okay, Moses. I will be with you. That's always God's solution. Okay, Moses, I will be with you. Ah, Here we have a little partnership. God, you're going to be with me. Messiah, in you the hope of glory. Messiah, it is no longer I who live, but it is Messiah who lives in me. I, I struggle, I press on, not in my strength, but in his glorious power that works so mightily within me. Messiah in me. Messiah, given, knowing, I know the day I live in. I understand the calling, the honor, and the privilege. And then I say, here I am, God. Use me, fill me up, empower me, anoint me, give me courage. I I am here today to cry out to you, to say, brothers and sisters, be courageous. Step into it. What is the thing in front of you? Look at it and you're doing your little Gidon, your little Moses thing. Not me. I can't do it. You can do it in him. We can do all things in him. It is time for a bold... Think of Joshua. I mean, that's like one of the classic examples. Joshua, Moses' disciple. All of Israel following Moses for 40 years. I mean, Moses was the man. He was like the point of connection to God. He was everything to Israel. Two things happen at the same time. Just as Israel is about to cross over into the promised land, the pinnacle, the goal, the achievement of all that was being lived out for 40 years, what happened? Moses is removed. Can you imagine? (gasps) Life without Moses? Listen, that was not a small thing. And Joshua, his disciple, who... Moses had discipled him. Moses had brought him into the presence of God. Moses was his man. He had given him everything. They were together all the time. They hung out together. He was his everything. And just when Joshua is ready to step into his calling, what does God do? He removes Moses from Joshua's life. And suddenly Joshua is out there, just himself and God not depending on flesh, not depending on a man, even someone as great as Moses. Brothers and sisters, we need to be a people who are willing to step out. Listen. The world declares the day that we are living in. Israel. For 2,000 years, there was no Israel. Today, we're back in the land. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, I was at the Messiah Conference, and they were, they was, uh, before we made Aliyah, we were thinking about making Aliyah, and we were there with a couple of thousand Messianic Jews, and they got so excited. They all stood there, and they all sang together in an incredibly bold voice, we're back in the land, the time is at hand. And I kind of looked around the auditorium, and I said, this is kind of odd. None of these people are back in the land. But that's okay. It encouraged me to go and get back in the land. 
We, I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, I know many of you have been there. Israel is back in the land. Hallelujah. After 2,000 years, the exile is over. God is bringing his people home to Israel. Hallelujah. We are in the land. Hallelujah. Bet, secondly, the body of Messiah is in the land. Not only is unsaved Israel in the land, but God is bringing his people back to him. There is a living, thriving body of Messiah on the planet Earth today, uh, in Israel today. Three, the church, that other great player on the stage, not a church that persecutes Israel, not a church that hates Israel, but a church that loves Israel, that intercedes for Israel, that they're here at last. Not the fullness, but they're here. I meet them all the time. I speak in their assemblies. They are growing. They are here. Dalit for the hatred of the nations, right? You, you know, Chaim gave the report before. What was the vote? 134 to 9? 138 to 9? I mean, come on. The nations are turning against Israel. That which we read in Zechariah 14 is coming to pass. The nations of the earth are gathering. Brothers and sisters, the stage is set. Like, in the natural, spiritual, however you want to define that, it is time. The bell is going off. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the day that the prophets long to see. We are alive in it. And I am here just to tell you, request of you, one thing. To know the day you're living in and to take your place. It will require courage. It will, require, it will require sacrifice. It will require boldness. It will require you to run places where your flesh does not want to run. It will require you to step out beyond the bonds of your comfort zone. But do not be discouraged. You are with a great band of companions. Joshua did it. Moses did it. Abraham did it. And now it is our turn. Let us be those people. Let us answer the call. Let us be those that bring this glorious age to its completion. God has placed it in your hands. Let's, I want to pray. Let's stand up. Amen, Lord. You know, Lord, starting with myself, when I look in the mirror, I have to say that I don't see a lot in the natural that would for any reason cause you to choose me. And when I look out at my brothers and sisters, Lord, I have to say that we're I look pretty much a ragtag army. In the natural, we definitely fall right into that list of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, a weak people of people that are not esteemed, of people that do not have. But Lord, hallelujah, we do not walk after the natural. Today, in the name of Yeshua, I am declaring over you, each person in this room, I'm declaring over myself and each one of us, hallelujah, in a rising of the Spirit right now, hallelujah, a passion, a boldness, First of all, eyes that see in the name of Yeshua. I declare, wake up, old sleeper! Wake up! In the name of Yeshua, may you see the day that you are living in. May you be riveted by it. May it capture you and consume you. And in the name of Yeshua, Lord, I pray, Lord, for that beyond enablement. I break every spirit of fear. I break every demonic thing that would try to contain you, belittle you, dismiss you. I declare the calling that is in your life. Holy Spirit, make it clear for every man and woman. May each one be challenged by his and her destiny. 
anointing of God upon you in the name of Yeshua to get up and do what needs to be done in this day. Anointing, anointing, anointing in the name of Yeshua. Be blessed, be released into your strategic destiny in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you please be seated for a moment? The Word of God challenges us to respond as God speaks to us. And I believe the Lord has been speaking to us this morning. And I'd like to ask a couple of things. One, first of all, we're going to take a love offering for Eddie and Jackie and their ministry. Tikkun? Zion's Glory. And i um, like to ask that you give generously as the Lord has given you. And after we do that, we're going to stand for a few minutes and worship the Lord and respond to his call that has come forth today through Eddie. Brother Eddie, you've been uh, echoing what God has put in my heart for years to challenge each one of us to recognize the destiny and the call that God has for us. If you've been hearing from the Lord this morning, I want to, with the word that came out today, challenge you, challenge all of us to step into those shoes that the Lord has prepared for us and refuse to accept fear and intimidation by the evil one or our own insecurity and say, Lord, I accept it. I accept the challenge. I accept the call. Let's pray over the offering. And then I'd like to ask, as soon as you're done, would you please stand and again and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord God, that you use pots of clay. We thank you, Lord, that despite our insecurities and our weaknesses and our fears and the hindrance from the evil one, you are greater. We acknowledge your sovereign control and your power and your great and glorious plans and purposes for each one of us. I pray, Lord God, for the eyes of faith. Pray, Lord God, for the courageous heart to embrace your call and to walk in it. Pray, Lord God, that you would take the offering that we bring as unto you, and we pray, Lord, that you would use it to multiply your work and expand your kingdom in Israel and also here, Lord. Receive the honor and the glory, Lord God, from our hearts response to you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. Amen.